My name is Andrew Nelms, and you're listening to me on Above and Beyond. Hi all, it's Mike Myers with another episode of Above and Beyond, brought to you by the Reengineering Australia Foundation, where we strive to engage, inspire and educate students, teachers and industry about the career pathway options that exist in the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics. We're driving to create the next generation of innovators who will build Australia's economic future. But to achieve this goal, it's essential to have students engage with industry as much as possible before leaving school both as a method of building their career knowledge and to simplify the transition to the world of work, a transition that should be driven by the passions and skills of the student, rather than be a somewhat random and last-minute decision process. Within all REA programs, students are required to develop a significant understanding of project management in a way that links directly with what happens in industry, helping to build their understanding of careers that fit with their passions and their skills. Each of our programs has a rigorous judging process, which unlike school, where the students are tested on one subject at a time, the judging process in REA's programs assesses students on their knowledge uptake across a wide range of subject areas as they relate to a single project. This may include engineering design, manufacture, project management, analysis, build presentation, marketing, industry collaboration, communication, and a range of other areas. The judging process focuses on examining the approaches the students have taken to resolve problems, which may be entirely new to them, pushing the students way outside their comfort zone. To compound the environment, the judges are from industry, completely different to deal with than the teachers, and the process of being judged is fluid and either prescribed or regulated, as is the case in dealing real-life problems. Today our focus is on the judging process that the students have come to know as engineering judging, where their design techniques and creativity from an engineering perspective are assessed. To help examine the process of engineering judging from the judge's perspective, today we're talking to Andrew Nelms. Andrew's day job involves him in the surface mining and technology division of Caterpillar Global Mining, where his focus is on drag lines. For the uninitiated, a drag line is a digging machine the size of an office tower. They can remove overburden at up to 100 tonnes a scoop. They're the biggest of the big boys' toys, and they are a hugely complex piece of technology, construction industry equivalent of an Airbus A380. And as an engineer, I find them really cool. Andrew's involvement in judging goes back a long way. His extensive international engineering experience places him in a unique position to be able to assist students to understand how they should pitch their engineering expertise. Welcome, Andrew. There you go, Mike. Caterpillar is an iconic brand which brings to mind for most people many uh, visual images not only associated with large construction projects I must say that a small equivalent takes pride of place in my grandson's sand pit. Would you be able to give us an overview of your career pathway and what it's like to work for a company like Caterpillar? Certainly sure. My career I guess for engineering started when I was a little bit younger than most of the students we have in the competition actually. My thoughts of engineering started when I was about eight years old and the first time I actually went on a drag line because my father was involved in the mining industry and I was inspired by seeing machines that he worked on every day. So that was when I first became interested because I said to him, is this what engineers do? And he said, it's one of the things. From then, I was interested and I was engaged in, uh, in finding out more and wanting to know why things work the way they did. 
I guess I've, I've had a real in, interest in, uh, in the engineering industry right from then. I was lucky enough to work in a couple of different industries on my way to being back in Draglines. I was lucky enough to have some experience in the power generation industry, and then I worked in the rail industry, and then over into the mining industry. So it's it's been an interesting ride, and I guess you take different things from each uh, each place that you you go to. You learn something different, which uh, I've always taken a great amount of joy in doing. As for working for Caterpillar, yeah, there it's a really interesting job. There's, as you say, the biggest of big toys. That's exactly right. We uh, we get to play with some pretty cool things. We get to play with some pretty cool technology, and we get to get some uh, really good outcomes for our customers at the end of the day, which is really what we're all here for. It's to be able to do a job that's useful to somebody. Do you go through the TAFE pathway or straight into university from school? I went straight into university. Uh, yeah, completed year 12 and then went straight into uh, university into a dual, dual degree, double major in Japanese and mechanical engineering. Japanese and mechanical engineering? I know it's a natural fit, isn't it? Having been to Japan, it's a lovely place, but I wouldn't put engineering and Japanese together, so konnichiwa. So your origins with REA, where do they go back to? I guess my involvement with REA goes back to the late 90s when Paul Bray was setting up the first hub schools uh, around Queensland and I was working in regional Queensland at the time. I met Paul through some industry engagements while he was putting together the first Australian international team that went over to London and, uh, and competed over there. I guess I've been around it right from back then. It's, it's been a long time. You focus generally when you're judging on engineering. Can you describe the engineering process for someone who knows nothing about what the students are put through? The engineering design process, or well, engineering process, not just the design process side of things, is about us being able to see the effort that the students have put into coming up with a design that works both on the track, but on paper as well. So it's about understanding the uh, the process that they've been through and the things they've taken into account so that we can then give them a, a score that reflects how well they've done that. So that ranges from uh, obviously areas like scrutineering through to the CAD judging of the, uh, of the design and then the engineering design process that sits behind that. So you're judging, uh, when you talk about CAD, do you have the students show you the models? How do you get, how, what's your expectation on, on getting the knowledge out of them when they're talking about CAD? Okay, yeah, absolutely. So we use different techniques for the different stages of processing, obviously. So when we're obviously doing scrutineering, we're looking at their cars um, themselves. We look at the final product and we do a, a series of measurements on the car. Of late, we've, uh, we've started doing scrutineering with the students there so that they can understand what we're actually doing, which I think is a good step forward. Then we do the, uh, when we're doing the CAD judging, we have the students bring up their models and show us how they've done their modeling. And we look to have them, how their feature trees are laid out, how they've designed their features, what, how it is that they've managed to get the shape that they are looking for and how they've managed to make it a compliant shape with the rules and regulations. And then engineering design process, we use a different set of evidence again. We use their engineering portfolio for, for judging that. In a school environment, students uh, tend to lose marks when they get something wrong. If they lose enough of them, they can fail. But within REA programs, I think that the emphasis, and I'm sure you'd agree with me, is on students being given marks when they get to a certain level or show a certain level of competence or understanding. The focus is not on, on being wrong. And in a sense, it doesn't exist because in the industry, understand that some of our best innovations come from uh, making mistakes. So in a sense, making mistakes to no small extent seen as a badge of honour. So if the end game for students is to get as many marks as they can, where should they be focusing their attention when they're talking to the judges? And should they be talking about their mistakes? 
Yes, they should. They should absolutely talk to us about the things that went wrong because uh, you have you've summed it up wonderfully when you say that we learn so much from our mistakes. And as all of the judges, in fact, not just the engineering judges, because we come from industry generally, we understand that the learnings that we get out of failure is are really, really important and really valuable. And so never be afraid to let us see how you failed and then how you've succeeded after that, hopefully because it all becomes a part of a, a learning process. And really, that's what we're looking to see. Yes, we have to give you a score at the end of the day so that we can pull those together and we can figure out who the winner is. But really, most of the time, we're looking to see the journey that the students have been on and how well they are able to explain that journey to us and take us with them on that journey, just for a short period, but it, just so that we can see it and we can understand what they've been through and what they've taken away from the process is really what it comes down to. That's that's the the real crux of it, I think. So you're saying it's more about uh, the journey and, and, and seeing them light up with knowledge rather than making sure they've done one equation correctly or put the Absolutely. A's and the dots in the wrong place. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. It's, 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 I mean, you can, there's so many different ways to approach something. So trying to make what REA does fit into a narrow pigeonhole of being able to say yes, correct or no, wrong, that's extreme, extremely hard. So it is exactly looking for where the opportunity is to see how a student has grown through that process. Yeah. What importance does the, the engineering portfolio play in your judging process? And, and it might be worth you describing the things that you're expecting to see in that engineering portfolio as well. So the engineering portfolio, I guess I mentioned it a little earlier where I was talking about the, the engineering design process judging. It's the only evidence that gets looked at for the engineering design process. It is supporting evidence for the other areas of the engineering judging because, you know, sometimes there's, say, there may be something in scrutineering that we're interested in. So when it comes to scrutineering, there may be something that we see that we're curious about what the intention was for the student, what they were trying to do. And so we may look at the portfolio in that sort of case. But certainly when it comes to the engineering design process, it's uh, absolutely critical. And so what we're really looking to see in that portfolio is, is there a structured way that they've approached what they're doing? When we'd love to see some out there and innovative ideas, uh, we'd love to see that sort of thing. But really it's about the portfolio is about being able to connect the dots for the readers, for, for us as judges. It's about being able to connect the dots between the ideas and the theories and then connecting that to what we see as the first generation of the cars and often second, third, fourth, depending on how long students have been in the competition and, and, and what they've learned in that process. It's about joining all of those things together and showing why the decisions that led them to go from one thing to the next were a good decision and weren't just a random thing. So I guess that's, that's what we're really looking to see out of the portfolio because uh, that takes us on the journey that the student has been on in terms of their learning, in terms of how they made a decision to, okay, we're going to actually change the swing so that it, we grab more air in this direction or, or whatever it was that they were going to do. And, and then they, what we would look for in that sort of case, we'd say, okay, what sort of, if you only change that one thing, what times were you doing beforehand? What times were you doing afterwards? So we'd like to see the evidence that supports that. So it's a real opportunity for the students to be able to showcase the hard work that they've put in. It's a real really a great uh, chance for them to show off a bit um, as to the hard work they put in. You mentioned coming out of limb or innovation. Where does innovation fit? And what's your definition of innovation? 
That is a tough question, actually, isn't it? Answering the first part of your question first, innovation, I think, is the thing that really lights everybody up in a room. And innovation in that sense, people recognise it as soon as they see it. You know, you, the definition, which I guess I'll come to, is a bit more difficult. But when you see something, you say, oh, that's different. That's interesting. How did you come to that? Is the next question almost everybody comes to. You know, well, why did you do that? And is it better? So I think innovation plays a central role in so much of the competition and some of the the greatest moments that I've had in the competition over all the years I've been judging have been when I've seen something that has truly surprised me and it's happened a few times and uh, I love that feeling of seeing something that I wouldn't have thought to do and I I think that's just fabulous and certainly if it can be then backed up with uh, engineering experience and and some an engineering design process that goes with it then that's even better. So in terms of then answering your question about what is innovation, I guess for me, I look at innovation and say, innovation is about taking a set of known constraints and approaching them in a way that somebody hasn't thought of before and coming up with something that's new. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Because that's, that's what I try and do each day in my own work. It's similarly work with constraints and, and then try and come up with something that's new and that um, you know solves a problem somebody's got in a way that somebody hadn't thought of doing before. So I, I love it as, as part of what we do. Would I be correct in saying, I'm not trying to put too many words in your mouth, but in, innovation and invention are two different things? Oh, I think so. Yes, absolutely. Yes, you can certainly have invention that is um, that is very linear and very incremental in what it does. Innovation tends to have a more dynamic nature to it, I think. So, and therefore is more appealing and more exciting to that that side of our brain that likes to do something new. Students, uh, when they come into these judging, they have to sit there with uh, these big, ugly, scary industry engineers. Hey. <laughs> So how uh, should uh, students approach the concept of being judged by these people from industry? What's the mental attitude that they, you think that they should take when they walk into the room? I think the best approach for a student coming to talk to us is to realise that we've been in some sort of situation at some time, we've been where they are. So we understand that they're nervous and that, that they don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> we understand that. And at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing for our students to realise is that we're wanting them to succeed. Fundamentally, we want to be able, them to be able to show us how wonderfully they've done. So we're on your side. We're wanting to give you the opportunity to, to show us what you've done and show us what you're proud of. So work with us on showing us that, I guess. Um, I understand it's an intimidating process, but there really is nothing to be scared of. So when they walked, walk up and meet you for the first time, how should they handle that situation? I mean, obviously, we, we want the teams to be professional. So uh, I would say uh, when, they, when they come to, uh, to a judging, that they walk up to the judges, they introduce themselves, and then start a discussion with us about what it is that they've done. Sometimes it's interesting. Some teams are better prepared at doing that than others. And sometimes that's a practice thing. Uh, so my suggestion would be, if you haven't done it before, find somebody that you're not entirely comfortable around, whether it be somebody else's parents or whether it be some teachers that you don't have as your everyday teachers, and practice with them because that's that's good experience for being able to talk to people that you're not that you don't know very well and that uh, that you take you a little bit outside your comfort zone. So I, I think being able to manage your own nerves with that is an excellent skill, and it's something that that I think students will take with them on the rest of their career. Journey journey honestly so take the opportunity so it would be fair to say that they shouldn't prejudge the judges 
Absolutely, yeah. Pre-assume that they know a lot about what the kids are talking about? Absolutely, yes. And that's that's actually a really good point, Mike. Sometimes some of our judges, sometimes it can be their first time judging. We all have a first time, right? So uh, don't assume that, that your judges know everything about necessarily even the competition. Take us on the journey from, from go to woe that you've been on and, and don't don't be afraid to um to, to give us more information. If there's if there's something that we don't know about, generally speaking, most judges will ask you about it. But feel free to talk to us about it. I've given a few uh, students advice over the years and one of them's always been that uh, sometimes the judges are ask dumb questions because they don't know what to ask. <laughs> sure, absolutely. That can happen, yes. The concept is is just don't don't worry that it, that the question's leading them somewhere that they not weren't prepared for. It's because someone's right. not that's right. doesn't know what to ask them. They're so sometimes bowled over by what the kids are doing. That's that is absolutely right. And we're we're never setting out to trick the students. When there's not a, a gotcha moment that we're looking for, it's all about supporting and and a genuine curiosity on our part. I mean that's why why we as judges become involved, you know, while we, while we give up our time to, to do it, because we are genuinely interested. So that we're not out to trick anybody or trap anybody. We're just wanting to give the opportunity so that people can, um, can show us the amazing things that they've done. So from a judge's perspective, what are the biggest mistakes that you sometimes see students approaching the wrong way? At the end of the day, we have the marking criteria that we use that are in, in the, uh, all of the, the technical documentation, the rubrics that we are given as judges that we have to mark to. So I think the biggest mistake that I see some teams doing, and it depends on the level of the competition that we're judging at, that, that we see these things, but I think one of the biggest problems that I, that I see, particularly starting teams making, but even some experienced teams fall into the trap as well, is that they haven't kept all of the marking criteria in their mind and make sure that they've gone through and can see and demonstrate where they have met the criteria to get the score that they want to get in that area. Having another set of eyes on that sort of thing always helps. So if you are able to recruit someone to look at your what you're doing or listen to your presentation and, and you give them how you're being scored, which all the students have access to for all of the different judging areas, ask someone to judge you so that they can give you feedback because we are bound by those judging criteria. Now, that's a strength for all the students. That's a that's a really fantastic thing that they know how they're going to be judged. And we, we as judges, it's great for us because we're able to make sure we apply that across everybody. That's how we're able to make sure that the competition is fair. But at the same time, it gives the students an enormous amount of power and the ability to know how the, how to get good marks. So I guess, yeah, the biggest fall down I see is where that has been, where sometimes you can tell things have been a bit rushed sometimes, maybe a little bit last minute, and they've just uh, put something together that doesn't totally tick the boxes. And I know it's it's a time squeeze for everything, but I think that's probably where the the big danger is. The role of judges is also, particularly engineering, is to give as much feedback to kids as possible within within the constraint of that. And so should they be asking you questions about things that, that are of interest to them or that they'd like feedback on? Yes, absolutely, by all means. Yeah, and certainly uh, what you'll find too is that by the nature, once again, that that we're involved in the competition and, and wanting to judge, we are absolutely happy to share our experience. 
and we want to give good feedback. Sometimes on the actual competition days, um, they're pretty hectic days from a judging perspective. So we don't always get to give uh, all the feedback that we'd like to give. Sometimes I know where there's particular teams that I think would really benefit from some extra feedback. I, I make time to go and search them out during lunch or something to not give them, kind of tip my hand on who's getting what scores, but certainly some teams where you think they just need a, a nudge in the right direction. I think it's really important for them to be able to get that, but it's even better if they're able to ask for it and ask us questions they're, uh, what they're wanting to know. Given that um, teachers have some impact on the students, and I think more and more the students are maybe a few steps ahead of the teachers, what advice would you give to a teacher about how he can help his kids prepare? I think probably, I mean, our teachers who work in this program are amazing in general. I think we've got some very, very committed teachers, which is just fabulous. The competition succeeds off, off the work that they do. I think probably the biggest thing that I think teachers can do is to provide the environment and give the, the little nudges along the way from the things that they've learned in the process if they've if they've been part of the competition for a few years. But it's also to be able to connect their students with people who they can collaborate. That's really, really what it's about. So if you're a new teacher in, in the program and you're trying to figure out how you can best support your kids, uh, no doubt you're talking to them about CAD and you're talking to them about project management. But one of the big things that you should you can do is you could broaden out your professional network, people that you are that you have access to, by trying to connect with connect with people, so that you, you can give your students opportunities, and you can say, oh, well, maybe if you send this person an email, you might be able to to have a discussion with them about something. We all know that the students see their teachers every day, and. And that that lead, can lead to a certain sense of, well, do they really know what they're talking about? In my experience, they absolutely do. But it's really good to be able to get that backed up by somebody else as well. So maybe I think, yeah, being able to use that network that the teachers have of, uh, of being able to draw on that and then be able to turn that into something that works for the, for the, the team in general. Collaboration with industry is always something that we're pushing. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes I think that the teachers are, are more fearful of going and talking to industry than what the students are. And That's true. I think, yes. It's certainly, I think for everybody involved, it can be uh, challenging because teachers have to put themselves out there like the students do as well. It's, uh, it's not a comfortable thing to do necessarily. So I think you're absolutely right there, Mike. But I, I would suggest to teachers, I, I, I have a lot of teachers who reach out to me for advice and they say, look, you know, would you mind speaking to these students or would you mind having a discussion? And I said, well, yeah, that's something we can absolutely do. And, and I think most professionals are happy to help, particularly students, on their on their journey. You know, we, we, there's a real pay-it-forward type mentality to a lot of professional people, whether you're in the uh, actual engineering side of things or whether you're in the you know, the, the more project management and um, and marketing and advertising side of things. I think I think everybody wants to support students in, in helping them to learn. I'm about to ask you some theoretical questions, if that's the term. So could you describe to me what it is to be an engineer or, or from your perspective, why, why engineering? What makes it as a profession stand out? I think... I think for me, the the thing that attracted me to engineering. I mean, I, I talked briefly about how how I first became engaged, but having having an idea as a as a child that you want to do something doesn't necessarily lead you to a career. It was one of the, it was when I spent more time through high school and and certainly at university. 
I think the more I learned, the more I realized that I didn't know and I became curious about. So if you're curious, I think, about the way the world works and you want to understand that and you want to be able to be able to interact with that and influence that in, in different ways and, and sometimes in more ways than the average person might, engineering could be for you. I think because engineers are those those type of people who look at a situation and have the ability not only to understand why something works the way it does, and obviously there are different types of engineering, so there's different fields that's in, but fundamentally it's about engineering is about giving a set of skills and understanding and knowledge to people so that they can actually understand the way the world around them works so that they can then after that, make a decision to change how it works or to do something better, to do something smarter, to apply that knowledge to get an outcome that is of benefit to, um, and it could be a benefit to an industry, could be a benefit to an individual. It could just be that it benefits themselves. Uh, I, I built a uh, I built a garden bed here at home over the weekend and, and uh, my partner uh, looked at that and said, well, I'm glad I've got an engineer on staff. So it comes up in in all sorts of different areas, I think. When you start engineering, there's this fear that you have to be a brilliant mathematician or scientist or have very high marks in those areas. But how how much of that maths and the science of things do you use every day as compared with the common sense that you've developed based on your capacity to solve a problem no matter what the data is? Yeah, you hit upon it there, Mike. I mean, maths maths becomes a language that sits in behind what we do as in a way of expressing something that um, that describes the real world. Maths is just a language for people to describe that. And being tied up in remembering a formula and, and being able to quote that off the top of your head, there's not very much value in that really from a practical sense. It's all about your understanding. The reality is if you know the question to ask, you can always find out some specifics. You know, if I need a if I need a formula for something, kinda of like the kids, I Google it. Yeah, you know, that's 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 the nature of it. But the question was the, the thing was I had to know what it was that I wanted to Google. And that that comes down to the understanding and, and the appreciation for the things that you've learnt during a say an engineering degree, or certainly some other science degrees as well, where you take on you take on the mantle of actually saying, Yes, I want to understand how this all works and how it goes together and that lets you make good decisions i would have maybe interpreted that too as being most of what i thought i learned in engineering was just how to break things down to first principles and then build them build them back up again understand why it's happening absolutely take the blinkers take the blinkers off Yes, absolutely. First principles is is a fundamental approach that um, that I, I talk about with my staff fairly regularly. So that's you're absolutely right on that as well. Could you give me an example of the kind of problems that you might, when you walk in Monday morning, you might have to face during a day from an engineering perspective? In, in my working day, I guess I alluded to it just a second ago where I say I have a team of guys who work for me. Generally speaking, it'll be a whole combination of, of issues. So say, so let's take my, my last Monday, my Monday of this week as an example. When I started my Monday of this week, I my day started with looking at doing some heat transfer calculations for a quench and temp process that we're looking at for a new component. So looking at setting up an analysis on the heat transfer and then looking at the stress state that's induced because of the thermal gradients within the material and making a determination of whether that was a problem or whether we needed to change the quench parameters or what it was that we needed to do. So that was the start of the day. But then very quickly, my day turned into working with some of my staff who are having some problems figuring out how to define some of the things like serviceability limits with with, um, equipment that we were putting onto machines. 
they were having some trouble figuring out how to define that. So it was working with them to tutor them and mentor them through the process of, of figuring that out. And then I had a discussion with another one of my staff about a analysis he was doing for a drag wine boom. He was a little bit uncertain about some of the results he'd gotten and he just wanted to double check before we put out a report to our customers about what we felt they needed to change so that they could um, run at a higher capacity. So he wanted to talk to me about that. And then um, then in the afternoon, I had uh, meetings with a couple of our suppliers who had some questions about some things that were getting manufactured for for a customer. They wanted to double check that they were doing the right thing and, and they wanted to make sure that they were meeting all of the quality requirements and that uh, the documentation was what we needed it to be. And we needed to discuss some of the other things like ordering and shipping details. So it's it's a really varied sort of approach. And that was just my Monday. Communication plays a very large role in what you're doing. Massive part of my day, absolutely. If you can't communicate, you probably have a problem. I think uh, sometimes we have trouble with the kids understanding that capacity to solve problems and the capacity to communicate really underlie everything that we do in life. From the moment we first go to school till you know when we finish. Uh, fixing the um, caterpillar tractor that your grandson's got in the sand pit. Uh, those capacities to communicate and solve problems are, are there for everyone. They're fundamental. Yes, I completely agree. I couldn't agree more. Are there any words of wisdom that you would give to a student just starting out uh, when they're considering their career? What, what, what drive what should drive someone to make a career choice? For me, be curious. Be curious and learn as much as you can about the things that interest you because that helps you to fill out where it is that you think you may go. And don't be afraid to make a mistake at the end of the day. Don't be afraid to try something and fail at it. We've talked about failure not really being a failure before, but I think that applies very much in this sense too because I think everything that you try that doesn't work is, and even when it comes to career, is you're able to then say, well, okay, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I don't like that. I don't enjoy that. But at least I know that now. So now I don't put any more time into going in that direction. So always look to what it is that you think your passion is. And don't be afraid to chase it. But then at the same time, don't be afraid to learn from that and and make a good decision as your next decision. For me, I was very lucky because one of the, the first things that I thought I might be interested in was engineering. So I didn't have to go through the process of, of finding things that I wasn't good at or didn't enjoy. I was one of the very lucky few who found my, my career passion early on. But not everybody's so lucky. So don't be afraid to try things. Don't be afraid to ask for help because generally speaking, most people want to help. You know, most people feel good about actually helping somebody else. So don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be, able, don't be afraid to ask somebody else's opinion either. You've got to stand on your own feet, but don't be afraid to ask for, for someone else's set of eyes to look at what you're doing and, and, and see if it makes sense uh, as well. So I guess if you can manage to pull those things together, my thought would be that you'd probably be successful. You found your passion very early on in art life and then you've just been chasing it, which I think is a wonderful way to be. Certainly, I think that's right, yeah. Andrew, uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to chat. I think it's been absolutely wonderful and um, I am very jealous that you get to work on drag lines. I have climbed <laughs> a label one and that was absolutely amazing. So um, again, thank you very much for the time and um, we'll talk again soon. Excellent, my pleasure, Mike. Thanks for that.